Welcome to Dawn Patrol, the 30A morning show. Good morning! Presented by 38 Cottages and Concierge. Yeah! <laughs> Online, 38cottages.com. Hi, this is Lauren Reinley, the editor of 38.com, and we're here with Kyle Petit, a world champion water skier and one of the owners of the popular restaurant Louie Louie. Uh, she's just published her first book, um, 30 Shades of Grayton, and it's an entertaining and lighthearted guide to being single on 30A and in small towns in general. So um, thanks for sitting down with us, Kyle. <laughs> Hi, glad to be here. I'd love to say I was a world champion water skier. I'm not. I'm just to compete on an international level, but I have friends that are world champions that I think I would not like to try to fight them for that title. So. <laughs> okay. Oh, well... In my book, you're a world champion, <laughs> much you. more uh, skilled at water skiing than I am. Thank and I understand you. you're also a chef? Yes, I am. I was a cook when I moved down here to work at the Cory Picos World Ski Center and um, ended up marrying into a restaurant family. I went to culinary school, and, you know, I love being back in the kitchen. It's a passion, too, so. And so that actually gets me into my first question. What, uh, when did you come to 30A, and, and what brought you here? Well, I was the captain of the University of Kansas water ski team, and we used to train down here at the Cory Picas World Ski Center. And one summer he offered me a job as a cook for the ski school for the athletes, you know, and get free, free room and board and all the ski time I could get in the day. So that was wonderful, and I'd always dreamed of being a ski bum just one time, you know. And I met my ex-husband during the time that I was living here. We were married by the next summer. What made you fall in love with this area? You know, it's funny because I came down here with a borrowed cell phone that I literally had to mail back to my friend's mom because she didn't want me driving across the country without a cell phone. And as I was coming across the bridge from um, over Shell Island, you know, the, into Destin, it says the luckiest fishing village in the world. And I, being a French literature major, Destin means destiny in French. And the water's glowing, and I see, you know, you can see dolphins and all stuff. And I was just like, I called my mom and I said, I don't think I'm ever coming home. I knew that day. As soon as you drove mm -hmm. in. And I never did go home. I went back to finish school and came down here and got married and started my life. And where's home for you? I grew up north of Chicago. Um, my parents still live up that way. And then I came here via Kansas. Well, and so the this book, this is a new venture for you, your first book. Mm -hmm. And um, I understand you went through a divorce and, um, after a long marriage and found yourself suddenly, unexpectedly single in your 30s in um, the small town that we have here on um, Scenic Highway 30A. But what about that experience sparked you to want to um, write and, and publish your own um, guide to, to dating. It's funny because I remember when I was married, I used to be like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad. I used to tell my husband all the time or my ex-husband, you know, I'm so glad it's not me because I see these girls and what they're having to go through and guys too, you know, with the repetitiveness, you end up dating the same person, you know, in cycles, it seems like, because there's really a very limited dating pool. And like kind of, I was already making those observations, I think before I ever even ended up being single and then I realized you know here I am going oh poor girls but you know now it's poor me and when I would get the chance to hang out and you know being single then I was able to reconnect with some of my still single girlfriends and some who are not single anymore either that were kind of more my age group we'd sit around the fire and I'd just be laughing you can't help it you just gotta laugh it's so silly 
what we actually go through as a, as a single community in such a small and tourist oriented town. So we would go and have a glass of wine and talk around the fire. And I'd be like chapter one, you know, and just like <laughs> go on from a chapter two. Like, you know? And eventually, you know, we just sit and laugh and they're like, you know, you, you just can't write this stuff. And I was like, Oh, well actually you can write this stuff. And so I went ahead and, and put it down in a, in a guide, you know, it's inspired by all of my friends, all of this community and, you know, my family as well. So, well, um, let's get into, uh, I guess how, well, before we get into some of the tips in the book, like, how do you hope that your book will help, um, other people? Well, it's interesting because it's, I, well, it is, you know, my point of view is from Grayton Beach and from the 38 Corridor because this is where I live. I feel like this idea applies to small town anywhere, you know, and I mean, they wrote Sex in the City, but they didn't write, you know, Sex in Mayberry, you know, yeah. and there's more Mayberry than New York around here. So um, what I had hoped is it can feel scary and desperate, especially given the isolated, you know, nature of this area, you know, to be able to branch out and meet people and whatnot. And I wanted to take the opportunity to allow single guys and girls um, basically an opportunity to laugh at it, to embrace being single, to learn to love certain aspects of it, and to know that, you know, you can branch out and life does go on. And it, just because there's a new tourist girl coming in every Saturday doesn't mean that one guy is not going to be like, oh, you know what? I have a taste for local flavor. Thank you very much. You know? (laughs) Yeah. So it was more of that. I just wanted to make it lighthearted and allow people to embrace being single because I certainly did. I love it. So Uh, so let's get into some of the tips. What are a few of your favorites? Um, Oh, gosh. I'm sorry. I I love them all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I wouldn't have written them. I I like the... um, Oh, well, I do talk about having to dress for success. Working in the restaurant, I see this happen all the time. I see, I don't care if you're just a visiting tourist, you know, you actually live in a big city or you're just a small town. I I never feel that it's good date material to come out in your Nike flouncy shorts in an oversized shirt and, you know, your chakas, I think they're what they're called. They look like Birkenstocks, but they're not. Honey, if you're going to expect to see it on a German tourist, do not wear it on a date. And then, you know, I think just take the time to show, to respect yourself enough to put yourself together. It doesn't mean you have to be dressed to the nines. It doesn't mean you have to go out there looking like you're on your way to Vegas. You know, this is the beach, but put a little effort into yourself and it'll help you respect your own standard and remain, keep your standard of what your partner you're looking for should be as well. And then, I don't know, um, I'm sorry, I have a hard time talking about like, you know what I mean? But, um, oh, the taxi cab confessions. Yeah, I like that part. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> this is really something that's important because if you're single, if you are going out with your friends, if you're not single, it doesn't matter. If you're going to have a few drinks, please take a taxi. And, you know, there's no shortage of them in this small tourist town. And you're likely to know your taxi driver well, which means that he's probably going to give you a little help with the fare. If at the end of the night you don't have $20, in your purse, you find a way to get to an ATM. Always have fare for your 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 ride home because they're keeping you safe, and you're they're keeping everybody else safe too. That one was really really big in my book. I, I mean, in my 
from my point of view. And I loved my taxi drivers. I mean, actually, I have one in particular that is essentially the person that I turn to every time I need a ride. He was the first person to know that I was single. No one in town knew for a long time. But, you know, picking me up in my <laughs> my little messy state at the end of a night at Pandora's, you know, he'd scoop me into the taxi, take me home as discreet as could be. But, you know, I really appreciate it. It saved my life many times, I'm sure. And so when uh, when you be- became single, did you start going out more? And was that so you had to, co- you know, kind of navigate the waters of going out late and staying out late? And, you know, your social life became different than your um, married social life, I guess. Is oh, that- absolutely. Well, for, there's that's twofold because, you know, <clears throat> I was married to a gentleman who's older than me. And his most of his friends became, you know, our social group, which I still love them. We're still all... all together but you know if they were slightly older age demographic than he was then I was always kind of the young one on the end kind of tagging along which is wonderful I always had we have the most adventurous and amazing friends I love them but all of a sudden being single I didn't want to be alone but I wanted to be surrounded by people who were kind of in the same situation as me and you you find yourself feeling very very alone it's almost underlined you know when you've been left by somebody you feel like you're not desirable you feel like you're not good enough and you don't want to go home to that void. You want to have it filled constantly with an activity. And, um, well, I have children and I, and I love being active with them. I needed to have adult time to really, it's, it's, it's a mental thing, you know, and now I'm, I'm kind of out of that phase. Now I'm kind of settled into my life. I really am enjoying it and embracing this being single, you know, and not having a married life. Now, I'm, if you see me at Pandora's once every three months, it's because I really, really feel like going out and I really want to hug everybody in town. But, like, it doesn't happen very often anymore, you know. But at first, for sure. Yeah. It's a sort of a coping mechanism, I guess. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And let's see. You had mentioned one other one that you wanted to talk about. Um, I think it was about... You know, the challenges of living in a tourist town that you have uh, a lot of people in the summer times. In the winter, there's no one here, but in the summer, in the spring, there's tons of people here and they're um, transient coming through. And Yeah, I call that chapter, it's called She's a 10. And basically, um, one of the challenges that single women in this area specifically, you know, are faced with is that there is a never-ending smorgasbord of beautifully spray-tanned, you know, perfectly coiffed, newly manicured, adventurous, uninhibited, wealthy women who are checking in on Saturday and checking out on Saturday and just ripe for a fling. And, you know, it, you can see it happen starting about March. You start to see less of your single guy friends, you know, because they're like, Oh, oh, there's all these new toys in town, you know what I mean? And I get it. I don't I don't have to hold that, that against anyone. I just try to tell people, you know, don't let that discourage you because, you know, if you just keep on being who you are, then the right person will come along no matter if they're from here or from somewhere else. And uh, you mentioned that, you know, now um, at this point in your uh, single life that you feel, feel happy with it. So what are... Uh, what are some of the things that you feel like um, you've learned or how in what ways have you grown, learned about yourself or grown as a person through this experience? Be, uh, both of, of going through the um, breakup and single period, but also um, writing the book. and Yeah, well, you know, um, 
The kind of pain and pressure that comes from a, a, the ending of any long relationship, you know, is it changes you at the molecular level. You know, you can't help but but be changed by it forever. Um, but that said, how you put yourself back together is a big part of how the rest of your life is going to go. And I wanted to show my children, uh, most specifically my daughters, I have three and then I have a son, um, and I wanted to show them that bad things can happen, but dreams still come true. And in taking that attitude and taking the little small wins, you know, I started to get back into water skiing. I started having some big wins in water skiing. Um, I started to have, you know, a little bit more freedom with my friends. And then I started to see that I was finally being myself and just myself, you know, not not my not my ex's wife. You know, I didn't have a first name. It was always, you know, Ollie's wife or, you know what I mean? And now it's Kyle and people know Kyle and my children are getting to know Kyle. And so that's where I really feel it's, I've embraced it is I just basically learned how to love myself. And I finally have reached a point in my life and I feel so grateful because I don't think a lot of people can say this. And I know now that I didn't feel that way maybe ever before, but now I absolutely know what happiness is and that who I am is absolutely enough. That's, that's great. That seems like a, a really um, big and important thing to have. It's unbelievable. I can't tell you the freedom that comes with just not expecting more than what I am absolutely possible or, you know, capable to, to do. I set goals for myself, and this book was one of them, and I achieved it. And it's so funny because literally, like, closing the book on the last, you know, page is when I felt, like, this weight lifted, and it was like, okay, you know what? That's it. It's enough. You're, 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 you're just who you need to be, and I don't want to change a thing. And um, in the book, you talk a little bit about, you know, how um, you're water skiing and growing up doing that. Um, do you, uh, I loved that part of the book too, like, do you think you might try to write another book anytime or is writing something you want to keep pursuing now? Writing's always been a part of, of who I am. I'm like, I am a journal keeper. I am, you know, I mean, I'm that dorky girl who totally writes poetry and it's awful. Um, <laughs> it's really, really bad. But um, yeah, I definitely, I'm, I'm kind of already outlining some new ideas for the next guide. Um I keep flip-flopping between two things, but, you know, it's essentially going to be a single girl's guide to when life dishes you weird, you know, and it's about, you know, I think it's going to be about, I'm not really settled yet, but I think it's going to be about some of the joys and pitfalls of being, you know, a professional restaurateur, a mother, and, you know, a single lady. So I do some catering internationally, and I have some funny stories about that that tie in through the water ski community because they always hire me to go do these big events for them. So, <laughs> and you um, you talk in the book too about how from a very young age you wanted to uh, travel and see the world, and that was just instilled in you uh, from you know I don't know what when do you say I mean you're a young child when you wanted oh, to I'd learn. Oh, I'd say I was about six years old when I was adamant that I needed to learn how to speak French, and yeah. um, there was a Spanish program after school. This lady I can't remember her name, but she did you know. Nine weeks of Spanish, or no, it was 19 weeks of Spanish in an after-school program. My mother, who was desperate to have me for an hour do something after school so she could go coach my sister's pom-pom teams, you know, signed me up for it. And then the next program was in Spanish, and I didn't get any after that until middle school because that's the way we do things in the United States, which is 
really the opposite of the way it should be done. But um, for some reason, having that introduction to foreign language at that age put a stopper in that part of your brain that closes down um, to learning any other than your mother tongue fluently. So it, it kept that door open for me, and I'm really grateful for my parents signing me up for that program. And do you still um, get to travel? Yeah, the wanderlust is never going to leave me. I absolutely love to have new adventures and see parts of the world. For one thing, I love to meet people, and I love to learn about new cultures. And, you know, actually before I was a French literature major, I was a sociocultural anthropology major. So clearly I never had my sights on ever making any money, (laughs) (laughs) ever. You know, I, I... I love that, and I, that's never going to go away, and I'm trying to instill it in my children to, you know, take the time to travel while you're young. I know I did, and that way when I settled down for my family years, I had not one regret of, you know, missing an adventure, and now the children are getting old enough to where I can go on an adventure by myself or I can bring them with me. You know, this Christmas we're giving each other the trips of, or the, the, the gift of trips together. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah, you know, spending some time together and going on another adventure. And I guess maybe we can, um, you know, do you have in any particularly funny stories that pop in your head from, you know, when you were first trying to navigate the single world? <laughs> I put most of my, my better ones there in the book. But, um, yeah, I mean, basically, I remember this so clearly, and I still kind of feel this way even every once in a while when I show up. You know, our small town has only a handful of late-night spots, so we all know where I'm talking about if I'm going to a late-night bar, which, by the way, I absolutely love the family and the, the operators of this bar, so I'm not making fun in any way. But I remember they've got a gravel, you know, driveway that comes up to this, you know, little tiki bar area, and I'm teetering like a baby giraffe on a pair of six inch stilettos and I'm so nervous to go out and I was just going to meet some friends from the red bar after work you know I was coming from my direction at Louis Louis and they were coming from the red bar but my knees were shaking and I'm just like everyone's gonna know everyone's gonna know you know and sure enough I mean I don't know if I just wore the stink of just newly single or whatever <laughs> I walked in that bar and all eyes were on me and I didn't even have anything to drink yet and I was so nervous and I went to sit back on the rail and act like I was going to be all cool you know talking to a friend (laughs) problem no rail (laughs) I do that all the time I don't know what's wrong with me I land on my tuchus like three or four times a month and it's always just me trying to be like yeah I'm sure there's something behind me (laughs) nope (laughs) nothing there (laughs) yeah that wasn't embarrassing at all (laughs) so walked in the bar first time single yeah. Ended up on your butt. Fell right on my butt. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. you got back up again. Yes, I did. Over Anytime and over again. <laughs> yeah. there, there was a time, too, I, I think it was after g- digital graffiti, I was walking with a group of my friends, and I don't know what was, I mean, we were just walking to go to where everybody's cars were and then, you know, be out. And for some reason, I was so certain that my car was behind me. Two problems with that. I don't know if I'm just really getting Alzheimer's or what, but I didn't drive there, so my car wasn't behind me, (laughs) and I fell in a swamp. Oh, no. (laughs) I went to lean back to tell another story, and I fell right on my booty in a swamp. Yeah. If you can't laugh at Uh, those things. I got grounded from the after party for that one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
So yeah, no, every time I fell down, though, I got back up. I'm still falling down, and I'll still get back up. It's okay. If you can't laugh at yourself, who can you laugh at, really? <laughs> and I think that's one of the fun things about the book is that it's really, it's lighthearted, and it's, you know, taking a hard time in your life and, and making it something that's, you know, can look at the at the fun and the and the mishaps and laugh and move yeah on. life is too short to not see the silver lining you know what i mean so i mean and and clouds can be just as important as the sun so that's the way i try to look at it and i'm trying to teach my children that and any of my friends that i see are having a bad time i try to kind of remind them that that's what's going on and really at the heart of it that's what the book is about and so uh the book is uh for sale on Amazon, is that correct? Yes, it's for sale on Amazon. You can get it in the Kindle version or as paperback, it's available on Prime. Nicole Paloma is also carrying it on 30A um, right now, and then I'm hopefully talking to the 30A stores about carrying it. Yeah. <laughs> so. And it's, it's great. It's got a really cool cover. You did a little photo shoot with the um, on the Coastal Dune Lakes. And- mm-hmm. Dawn Chapman Witty did that, and the irony of it is she shot my wedding she was my (laughs) wedding photographer and so and there are shots if you go to the the facebook site you know there are a whole bunch of shots from that day and there are a few of them where i'm holding a bottle of perrier jouet and it's the bottle that i never opened at my wedding because i i was i was pregnant cows out of the bag don't worry (laughs) but so i I still have it and i'm just like at some point we're gonna have to pop that one yeah but yeah uh, well, it was really great talking with you, and the book is called Thirty Shades of Grayton. And uh, you can where where can people find you? You're at Louie Louie most most nights. I'm at Louie Louie's, yeah. um, you know, in the front door or in the kitchen depends. And then, um, you know, like I said, I, I, it's a small town. You know where to find me. I'm at the same bar every Sunday <laughs> of my life <laughs> with my children having brunch. It's the Red Bar in Grayton Beach, just in case we weren't already guessing. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm trying to spread the word and get the book in as many, you know, local bookstores as possible. So, you know, I'd love to talk to Sundog. <laughs> I have a Central Square Records sticker on the cover of the book. <laughs> and so. you got a Facebook page people can go to. Mm-hmm, yes. Just search for 30 Shades of Great. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking with you. Thank you. It was a pleasure being here. <laughs> We're hanging out with 38 Cottages in Rosemary Beach. Brandon, tell me about Rosemary Beach. Very cool location. Rosemary Beach is is one of my favorite communities, and and a lot of people really love it. Everything's just done differently. Landscaping's kept tight and nice. Fantastic place to stay. Fantastic place to live. Boardwalks. If you find a boardwalk, it it takes you right to the beach. We're at the Pito Cottage. They have a couple other properties near Rosemary Beach, all up and down 38. And uh, you can book three nights now, right? Normally we hold you to five nights, but we want to get you down for a long weekend this time of the year. Time to book. It's 38cottages.com is their website. They're proud sponsors of Dawn Patrol, our morning show, and we're happy to have you guys and uh, supporting us, bud. Man, we're happy to do it. Love working with you guys and uh, look forward to it for a long time. 38cottages.com. Come see us this winter. Mm-hmm.